The songs of Zechariah, Mary, the angels, and Simeon are responses to news of Jesus' birth, which have been preserved in the scripture. They've been used by the church throughout the ages as songs of worship, and we might see them as Christ songs. And the first one we'll look at is the song of Zechariah. It's what we read in Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. It talks about Herod the Great being the king of Judea at the time. Israel was under the dominion of Rome, so Rome had to select the king who would rule over Judea, and Herod the Great was that king. He ruled from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. He died after Jesus was born, so it's most likely then that Jesus was born on on or before 4 B.C. He wasn't born on Christmas, but we, that doesn't mean anything. It, he, he still he was he born in 4 B.C. Um, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. To be a priest in Israel at the time, you had to be able to trace your lineage to Aaron, Moses' brother, and Zechariah could do that, and his wife Elizabeth could do that as well. They both had that lineage, but it wasn't possible at that time in, in Israel for women to be priests. Zechariah was a priest. He and Elizabeth were righteous before God, but there was one problem. They didn't have any kids. When you were a priest, what you hoped for is that you would have children, and they would be able to be in the priesthood as well, since it was passed on by bloodline. And when you didn't have children, it meant one of two things. It either meant that you were cursed by God, or that God was going to do something special. And in the Bible, when there were several occurrences, like with Abraham, who didn't have any kids until he was really old because God was planning something special through the child that was born. And that was the case with Zechariah and Elizabeth's child. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. At the time, there were probably about 18,000 priests that served the temple in Israel. And what you did, that you had other jobs, but twice a year, you would go in for two weeks and you'd serve at the temple and you'd do different things. They chose by lot special duties. In the very center of the temple in Jerusalem, there was the Holy of Holies, and that's the room where only the high priest went once a year in order to atone for the sins of the people. And right outside the Holy of Holies, separated by a four to five inch curtain, was the holy place. And that's where their priests went in to burn incense, but that was a really special thing. And you weren't assigned it, you were chosen by lot. So what they did, they selected by lots, and if you were fortunate enough, you got to go in that room 
right outside the room where God's presence was to dwell. And in this particular year, Zechariah was chosen. And again, he this was something that, well, once in a lifetime would a priest have this kind of offer. So this was the most special service that Zechariah ever performed. And while he was in there, he has a visitor. It says that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. He wasn't expecting to have company. He was in there alone. And he saw an angel. Biblically, when angels appear, it's fairly terrifying, some kind of brilliant supernatural being. And Zechariah was stunned. And the angel then said to him, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Zechariah might have been praying for a child. He might have been praying probably more so for Israel to be able to have the Messiah who was supposed to come. They were under the dominion of Rome. And what they were expecting is for the Messiah to be a political king who would free them from their oppressors. That's not what happened. Anyways, the angel went on to say, um, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. The angel says Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son. And we know that son as John the Baptist. His name is to be John. Because of his holy calling, he was to live a special kind of life. There's nothing wrong at that time with eating, with drinking alcohol, but it's in order for his special service, he was going to go through life never having alcohol or strong drink. He is specially set apart to God, as his lifestyle will indicate. The most significant thing about John is that it says about him that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Prior to this time, the Holy Spirit came on prophets, priests, and kings for special circumstances when they needed to be specially empowered for some feat or when they needed to speak on God's behalf. The Spirit came into a person, allowed them to do that service, and then left. But this is the first time when the Spirit was to be in John from the womb. David said, in the Psalms, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And again, with David, he had the understanding that the Spirit didn't stay in you. But for John, it would be different. Um, when Elizabeth meets Mary, after she has been miraculously impregnated, what it says when in Luke 1, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So even as a fetus within Elizabeth's womb, when Mary is visiting, they had some kind of relationship, Mary and Elizabeth, and Mary was coming having been recently conceived. Um, her Elizabeth baby jumped, John jumped in her womb. He, John represents a bridge between temporary Old Testament spirit influence and permanent New Testament spirit influence. We talked in the last series about 
what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And in our time on this side of the cross, to be filled with the Spirit means to live in the light of the new covenant. The Spirit is the Spirit of the new covenant, and that's what he wants to create in us, an awareness that we are sons and daughters of our Father God, not slaves to God as our master. Um, Angel goes on and says, Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He says, Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. John's mission was going to speak to Israelites. Now, it's going to benefit us, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but his specific direct mission was to talk with those of his own race. He will call them to reform, to turn to God, and to live differently. And the reason why he'll do so is God has picked a very special job for these individuals that John will speak to. John will go through the country, especially in the northern part of Israel, and will tell people, you got to turn to God. God's going to do something very special. And to those people who listen to him, they were chosen to do something really special. Um, the angel talks about John's mission and says he will do three things. He will go he will go before the Lord and will say things that God wants him to say. Um, God was preparing to announce the Messiah, and John would focus on the northern part. The, Israel was divided into two houses. The house of Judah was in the south. That's where Jerusalem was. The house of Israel was in the north. The house of Judah, they were the ones that historically had been very more obedient to God than the northern house of Israel had been. And John is going to speak to the northern part, to those who had not been as faithful. Those were the ones that God was going to to pick. He will be, like it says, he will be a prophet like Elijah. And the thing, the difference between Elijah and John is that Elijah did a lot of miracles. And John didn't do any miracles. It wasn't required. When we think about miracles, sometimes we hear that, well, if you have enough faith, you can get a miracle. And we tend to believe sometimes that faith exists for miracles. If you get enough faith, you can get a miracle. And it's really, that's upside down. Faith doesn't exist for miracles. Miracles exist for faith. They, miracles exist so that we'll believe what God tells us. Um, John was to go, and then he was to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. What John would do, he would have an impact on families in Israel. And in Israel, there were a lot of different kinds of groups that worshipped God. They were all Jews, but what would happen in families sometimes, one part of the family would become part of this sect, and another part of the family would be a part of that sect. And there was a little bit of disruption. Now, what would happen, this John would talk to Israelites, and what would happen, he would be able to bring the family together. What John's ministry was, he called people to 
admit that they had done wrong things. And what ended up happening, because people admitted that they weren't perfect, we all know we're not supposed to be perfect, what ended up happening, families would come together. The reason why they were trying to become this part of this sect or that sect was because, well, if I'm part of this sect, that makes me better than you or that sect. And, and that led to division. What John was going to do is bring everybody together uh, when we're honest about what we deal with, it tends to unite us. When we aren't, when we try to be better than other people, then we end up being divided from one another. But that's what John would do. Um, rather than compare themselves to one another, they would come before God, and God had a special job for them to do. He was to go to turn them to one another and to prepare, it says, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God calls out of Israel a prepared and responding group of people who are ready to follow the Lord and do what he wants them to do. What does this have to do with us? Well, this is 2,000 years ago, and this priest and his wife, they have a son, John the Baptist, and this, their son went through Israel and talked to Israelites about coming to the Lord and being ready to prepare, getting ready to do the work that God had for them, but that work directly benefits us. Here's what it says. It says, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. What this says, that the individuals that God would reach out to, that he would shine the light on, would not be the people from the southern kingdom of Judah, but the northern kingdom of Israel. And when God chose those who would understand who Jesus was, he chose the ones in the north which is surprising. They were not the ones that did it all well and said it all right. They were the ones that had had trouble in their life. We've seen that God gives grace to the humble, and the individuals that God chooses to do his work are not necessarily those who appear to be the most righteous. The ones that God chose at this point were those whose spiritual pasts were not pure, who had done a lot of wrong things, when God reaches out to people, he does so not as a paycheck, but as a gift. That's what we think about at Christmas time. We think about gifts. And God's acceptance of us is never a paycheck we earn. It's always a gift that he extends in mercy. All of God's blessings to us, everything that God wants to do to us, is available to us as a gift, not something we earn. And that was going to be the way it was. It says... In Galilee of the Gentiles, this place where people were not the best, they were the ones whom God would shine this light. God, we see, he was going to harden. Most of, look what it says, therefore, I do not want you to be... I have it. I don't have it up there. Here's what it says. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part 
until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. What it says is that when God appeared in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, a lot of individuals in Israel didn't believe who he was. And what it says, God hardened the hearts of some of the Israelites and he opened the hearts of others of the Israelites. The ones that he hardened were from the south. The ones he opened were from the north. And here's what ended up happening. Because God did that for a specific reason. And when the Jews in the north decided to listen to John and listen to Jesus, they were hated by their countrymen for doing so. What ended up happening is they were kicked out of Israel, many of them, and they scattered then out of Israel into the Roman Empire. And that's what God's plan was all along. The word to scatter is the same word as the word to sow a seed. And this is what God did in creating a division. He put it in place so that there would be some who would listen, some who wouldn't. The ones who listened would not be like, they would be booted. And when they scattered into the Roman Empire, it's like God sowing seed. And because they did what they did and went where they went, we end up being able to understand about Jesus and know about what he came to do. Um, says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, till the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Again, God hardened the hearts so that we would be able to hear. It says... Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. In the Old Testament, God deals only with Jews. To be a Gentile is to be excluded without hope and without God in the world. And that's what God sent John and Jesus to remedy so that we who were excluded and separate would be able to be included. And so what God did, he chose John the Baptist to turn people within the within Israel to himself. Those were the ones who went so that a door would be opened for us to be able to be part of God's family. That door was not open prior to Jesus and John coming. But on this side of the cross, it means that we now have the opportunity to be able to hear about Jesus because individuals whom John spoke to and whom Jesus then, whom they worship Jesus, these individuals went into the, into the Roman Empire and, and brought news that allows us who formerly were separate to be able to be part of God's forever family. And that's why we celebrate Christmas now, that we have the opportunity because Jesus came to be part of God's family. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, not only among Jews, but also among Gentiles. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thank you for 
Zechariah and Elizabeth and John, their son, how you chose him to perform a mission so that he would turn the hearts of Israelites to you, and that from those who turned, they would listen to Jesus as well, and they would become his followers, some of them. And then they would have, they would carry out the mission which you gave to them. They really were Jewish missionaries to Gentiles. That's what they ended up being. Going into places in the Roman Empire where Gentiles lived and talking to Gentiles about Jesus and about how he rose from the dead and about how that they can be part of God's family even though they're not Jews. And that's what brings us that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free or male nor female. We can be in you when we believe. Thanks for that and for what it means that we get to be part of your forever family, that we live in this world. And when we come to the place where we die, our life doesn't end. We experience an eternal life with you. That's why you sent your son, so that those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to die, but we have a second life, an eternal life. Thanks for that. Thanks for John and Jesus and for your plan to open the door of heaven to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.